Hello, kittens. Welcome to House of Heretics, the podcast where Timothy and I drink coffee and pet cats and talk about bullshit for your listening pleasure. If you are hearing this on the main feed, on the public feed, you are uh, listening to a preview of the show. If you want the full thing, go to sacredtension.substack.com and become a paying subscriber and you will be able to listen to the full episode, as well as all the previous House of Heretics episodes, as well as um, as well as paid subscriber blog posts that I write every week. So, if you just need some extra content to shove into your veins because you're addicted, then please become a paying subscriber. And it keeps me from doing horrible, horrible things because I don't have enough money like going full Gwyneth Paltrow and making a bussy scented candle um, to sell online on an Etsy shop. Okay. Timothy, how are you? I'm doing very well. I've been enjoying Substack. I've been, this has been like, uh, ever since I switched my blog over to Substack, it's gotten me a little bit of new life into my blogging stuff so i really 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 like it yeah same no it it's uh i mean i already went on and on and on about this last week Mm -hmm. so we don't need to cover the same ground but it feels like blogging in the 2000s and early 2010s where there's act there's actually a vibrant community and ecosystem of writers there and an audience of readers who actually want to read shit. And for years, as a writer, I have felt kind of sidelined to the margins on the internet and having to force myself into these other mediums that just don't work for me, like social media or video or Instagram, you know, visual uh, and visual mediums, video mediums. I just, I, that's not my skill set. And I feel like I've been kind of orphaned on the internet for about a decade until I discovered Substack, and it's it's just been a wonderful, wonderful experience. So you are on Substack. Yeah. Lucian Greaves is on Substack. I'm going to try to get all of my writer friends on Substack mm-hmm. and uh, get everyone to join the cult. Yeah. I've, I've been uh, trying to find new writers as well to follow. It's actually sort of interesting that like some of the writers I already know they're already paid, and it's like oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but, no, there there are uh, there are a ton of established writers there. Uh, do you read Diana Butler yeah. Bass? She's on there. Um, yes. Oh goodness, I Nadia Bolt. She was on there. Yeah, her, her. It's called The Cottage, and it is wonderful. And Nadia Boltzweber yeah. is on there as well. Has a wonderful community on Substack. So yeah, there are there. I I think the um. I can't remember the name of the theological blogger I used to like in the in the 2010s, but he's he's on there as well. Just a ton of fantastic uh, writers mm. on Substack, established writers and up and comers, and yeah, it's it's a beautiful ecosystem as long as you ignore the anti vaxxers and the Nazis. Um, <laughs> don't go, don't don't take a wrong turn. Don't take a wrong turn on Substack, or else you'll end up in in a scary place. But as long as you stay in oh the my. nice in the nice parts, then it's good. It's all good. Anyway, I think you're talking about most of the world there. So. Yes, yeah, true, <laughs> and the internet in general. Um, 
All right. Well, so speaking of Substack, I just published my second post in my Why I Am Not a Christian series. And this is, again, in response to my sister asking me why I am not a Christian, why I no longer believe. And I gave a meta answer in that conversation. There's a There will be a link in the show notes. People can find it. My, my second conversation with my sister, where she kind of challenged me on why I am no longer a Christian. And my answer was a meta answer, which is that I didn't choose doubt. Doubt happened to me. It, and that's true. And I think it's more fundamentally true. But the questions keep coming. Why do I no longer believe? So I thought that I would write down my reasons. So hmm. um, I st- sat down and just started pouring out my thoughts. And the result was this gargantuan document. And I published one part of it um, called The Problem with Miracles several weeks ago, and then this week I published The Problem with Experiencing God, which is complicated because I have also written articles like The Non-Theistic Experience of God. I wrote that one two weeks ago. Um, And I'm also really interested in contemplative interior mystical experiences as a practice to cultivate global well-being, and I think that's really important. So there's a delicate needle to thread here in terms of due skepticism of how we interact with these experiences, but also acknowledging their importance in, in human life. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, the the argument, but the argument I put forward in that article was that interior experience leads us astray, and every every unusual seeming religious experience or or religious conviction or supernatural conviction that is not our own. So think of any. Think of any spiritual belief or any religious belief that seems weird to you. And I listed some in my article, like, you know, the person I know. Who, yeah, those who, are interesting, too. Who yeah. believes that they are an alien and mm-hmm. uh, quite literally an, al- an extraterrestrial who came to Earth to bless humanity. Someone who um, uh, pag- pagans of various uh, of, of different varieties. And I don't say this to shit on pagans. I love pagans, by the way. And um, I was a bit worried by how this would come off to my pagan friends. But I just mentioned pagans because they're a bit unusual in the modern landscape. And so they it's a good litmus test to kind of gain some distance from uh, these interior experiences where, where pagans I know have had genuine experiences with Thor and Odin and Loki and Hecate. They have had genuine, authentic experiences with, with these entities and have completely changed their life. Holistic healers who continue to practice their their craft despite the dearth of evidence for it because of a deep inner knowing that it works. It is a deep inner conviction and that 
a a sense of and, and a mystical experience. But behind holistic medicine is very often a mystical experience. And then another example I gave was someone who believed that he was a witch in a previous life and was burned at the stake and and had this mm-hmm. and and relived that experience of of so every single unusual religious experience is backed by a profound inner knowing by a right. mystical and, encounter of some kind right right and what was interesting about that is also you even acknowledge that you, you and yourself in your own christian past have had those exact similar mystical yes. experiences too. Yes. And I thought that part was really good to acknowledge there too. That is like, you're not speaking as somebody who has no knowledge of it, but you, you're speaking from experience there. You have had that experience as well of having that mystical experience there, which maybe I'm speaking words into your mouth was undefinable or. Yeah. I mean, Hard to explain. Numin- yeah. numinous, yeah. earth-shattering, mm-hmm. life-changing, all of those words describe my encounters with the Christian God. And I'm not mentally ill. Well, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I'm, I, am, I am mentally <laughs> ill, but not in this way. <laughs> so, no, no, but, no. But here, here's the thing. People, most people who have these experiences aren't sick most people who Mm -hmm. have these experiences are perfectly sane they are not stupid they're not ill they are not schizophrenics they're these are normal people who have these profound experiences be it the snape wives you know i cover you know i i did an interview with uh the scholar who studied the snape wives people in the early 2000s who believed that they married snape uh, as a as a spiritual entity, and I mean that was backed by a by a genuine spiritual experience. So uh, those people weren't crazy. Those people weren't stupid. Those people weren't mentally ill that we know of. And the same is true of any religious practitioner, any spiritual practitioner. I mean, it's all backed by genuine experience. Well, so here's the problem: is they can't all be true. And what they presented me with. So, so I, as I started to interact with other religious practices, it started to dawn on me that the force of the religious experience of a Muslim or a Hindu or a pagan or an alien religionist or a new age healer or a psychedelic shaman, it was equal in force to what I experienced as a Christian. And what that presented me with was a tie. It was a tie for truth. And how do I determine which experience is more true or more reflective of reality than the other? And I realized that I couldn't, mm-hmm. not not on the basis of the experience alone. Um, and that just kind of broke my brain as a Christian. And it, okay, yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. I, I want to branch off onto that a little bit because you talk about also even now being a non-theist, being a Satanist, somebody who um, has a more ambivalent 
view towards the existence of God. Maybe that's the nicest way of saying it. Agnostic. <laughs> but, uh, Agnostic. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you still say that you have mystical experiences, and I know, in general speaking, also from personal experiences, that mystical experiences are difficult to describe. But mm-hmm. is there any way that you could? maybe elaborate on those experiences? Yeah. So, I mean, I always feel self-conscious when I talk about this because there's there's all, especially in like meditation mm-hmm. circles, it's a bit gauche to talk about your spiritual experiences in a lot of ways. Okay, why? Um, I don't, I don't know, I actually, but there's... Because uh, when I was... I mean, when I was an evangelical Christian, this is something you did, and it was something that you did to help. Uh, and my cat goes and knocks everything over there in the background. Um, but um, uh, when when you uh, shared your experiences, your experiences with God, we call them giving testimony. Yeah, um, it was something that you used to help other believers that you would use to support each other with but you say are you saying that for you among meditative circles this is a more personal experience that you don't share yes yeah yeah at least that's the impression i get and i think there's a bit of a taboo against it because there's a skepticism of the mountaintop experiences Mm-hmm. And you also don't want to paint yourself as more spiritual than you actually are. And so you really want to avoid the the spiritual narcissism that could come from sharing these experiences. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I don't know, at, at least in the immediate circles that I'm in, it, it seems a bit gauche. And I've always struggled with that because I don't see myself as a particularly wise or spiritual person either. And so I'm I'm always a bit nervous to talk about these experiences because I, even though I talk about them all the time, mm-hmm. the underlying point that I always want to say is that these aren't necessarily rarefied or inaccessible. I, I think that most people can actually have these experiences. So, okay, what do we mean what do I mean when I talk about mystical experiences now as a non-theist? The dissolving of the self. And mm-hmm. so we most of us go through life with this sense of division from what we experience because we feel like we are a self, we are a thinker, we are a perceiver, we are a watcher behind our face, behind our faces, looking. So right now I am looking across my office. I'm looking at a a, a Metropolis movie poster. I'm looking at an icon. I'm looking at a painting over here. I'm looking at the books on my shelf. There's this feeling of looking across And so there is this subject-object dichotomy. There is this binary in human experience. And so I am the subject perceiving the the object. And so there is this fundamental dualistic 
experience that we just take for granted as we go through life. I am drinking coffee. There is a me that is drinking coffee. I am tasting the coffee, so on and so forth. When one pays attention in a particular way to the subject, if you look for the subject in a particular way, the subject vanishes. And what's left is this open condition of just the bookcase, just sound, just the taste of coffee, just the painting on the wall. There are just... There's just the open condition and the self, that executive choice-making self, vanishes. It's an illusion. And when you look for it, it vanishes. It disappears. So normally I can locate the feeling of self in my face, but then ask the question, what is aware of the feeling of self? And then when you ask what is aware, so you have the the being a self is a feeling. Well, what's mm-hmm. aware? What's aware of that feeling? It's the big self. It is consciousness. And when you realize that, it just vanishes, like a candle being blown out. And what remains is the open sky of consciousness, where you are the walls, you are the painting, you are just the open condition of consciousness. And it can last for a very, I mean, it is, if you don't pay sufficient attention, you will miss it. It is Mm -hmm. sometimes just a millisecond, sometimes it's just a few seconds. And in Dzogchen, there is the the illustration of the bell ringing where it it's like a sometimes the realization only lasts for the duration of a single bell of a single chime and you rest in that experience for the duration of the bell chiming and then it's gone but what you are left with is a knowledge about the nature of your mind and it's it allows you to be much more, to have much, to, to take things less seriously in a lot of ways. Pain. I, um, you know, I, I experiment with this all the time when I'm working out or when I'm running, where, you know, if I'm running up a mountain and it's 90 fucking degrees and it is absolutely fucking miserable and I have 45 more minutes to go, when I look for the self, and the self vanishes, suddenly, Walt Robert Wright has this phrase, pain that doesn't hurt. And that's, and it helps to, it, it helps to um, perceive these unpleasant and pleasant experiences in our lives as temporary, Mm. as interesting patterns of energy. And when we no longer identify with it, 
walked in, suddenly pain, like the pain of running five miles in.